I'm Devlin Guthrie, and today I'm going to be popping that North Shore bubble and revealing to you its dark history relative to the current events regarding the Black Lives Matter movement. So, everyone's heard about George Floyd's murder, right? And if you haven't, what's your excuse? Have you literally been living under a rock or something? I mean, seriously, come on. So much of what's happening right now is a direct product of that racist and gruesome incident involving the police. What's even worse, though, is that this was nowhere near the first time that something like this has ever happened to a person of color. Even in our own backyard, there's plenty of racial injustice. Here, let's go take a look. How much do you really know about the North Shore and its history? Did you know that it's one of the most egregious relics of redlining? Do you even know what redlining is? Well, if you're like me, an ordinary North Shore high schooler, you've probably never heard about it until junior year U.S. history. And even then, we didn't talk about it specifically, let alone the racial implications. So here I am about to give you a brief crash course in redlining. During the New Deal era, the government was trying to stimulate homeownership. And as more people tried to find better areas to live in, redlining emerged. And redlining is essentially what it sounds like. It's officials drawing red lines, and not to make pretty pictures, but rather to distinguish whether a neighborhood was low quality or hazardous. It should be noted that there are also other colors like yellow, blue, and green that were used to create a spectrum of how nice a neighborhood might be. But still, what differentiates a red line neighborhood from a green line neighborhood? Well, it pretty much came down to whether there were people of color or immigrants living in an area. And as more people of color and immigrants moved to a neighborhood, its color would plummet from green to red, causing many white Americans to move out and find new green line neighborhoods. And they often ended up in places like the North Shore, which were predominantly green-lined and blue-lined, with an occasional yellow-lined section, but never red-lined. So, you're probably wondering how this affects us now, since this practice has been outlawed since 1974. Well, I'd hope you noticed that the North Shore is still widely white, and while we still might not explicitly restrict people of color or immigrants from moving into our neighborhoods, the racist reputation of this area still exists. To learn more about this racial disparity, I had the privilege to interview Zaria Blue, an African-American alumna from New Trier graduating in the class of 2020. I'm here today with Zaria to talk about how well the North Shore is accepting the Black Lives Matter movement. On the North Shore, barely 2% of the total population is Black, so I was wondering how your experience has been growing up on the North Shore as a person of color. Um, that statistic is not just a number. It's it, it represents a very like small group of students who every day have to choose to walk into a place where they know that they're not going to see themselves or anyone who looks like them. Um, and so I guess what I would say it, it was like I mean, it was, it was like a lot of things. It was a lot of experiences, a lot of, um, you know, emotional turmoil and mental strife. Um, it wasn't easy. Hearing Zaria's response, I thought my presumed notions about the North Shore were confirmed. 
that we are so entrenched in our suburban culture that we fail to help our black community members. And so our efforts to support the Black Lives Matter movement didn't really seem genuine or authentic to me. But while I saw all the flaws in the Winnetka protest, Zarya saw a much different side. I think that it was actually really exciting that it was like happening because I was not expecting that um, of Nutria, to be honest. And, and obviously it wasn't Nutria itself, it was the Nutria community. But even that in itself shows that um, there's something happening, there's something stirring in a community that's you know, predominantly white, but that doesn't mean that, like, in those instances, like, it's not helpful for me to disregard white people, because in the end, it's all people have to be able to come to recognize that Black Lives Matter, to recognize that something is wrong in order for something to be changed. Zaria was right, something is stirring, and even though we might not be as progressive and have as many black voices at our protests, we're on the road to change. But what does that change look like? Since George Floyd's murder, there's been an 8.8 million spike in the use of hashtag Black Lives Matter, and I guess I wanted to hear what your thoughts on it was. As teenagers, we want things, when we see a problem, we want it fixed in, like, the snap of a finger. But we have to learn that it doesn't work like that, and it'll actually take us sitting with it and being vulnerable about it and talking about it for long periods of time and doing actions that don't seem to really matter, but in the end will amount to something great. Um, so we need to get out of that fix-it mindset. We need to get out of that hashtag Black Lives Matter post-it-done mindset. There's more to do than hashtags and Instagram posts. And the fix-it mindset, um, the trendy mindset that I'll only post about it while it's a trend, I'll only care about it while it seems relevant, we need to get out of that mindset. I think Zaria brought up a really good point in her last response because I've always thought that the way to make change happen was to be active and to physically confront the issues. Because of this, I always thought we were very disconnected from the core of the Black Lives Matter movement since we don't experience the same police brutality or racial profiling. But Zaria explained to me that it's not all about the physical confrontation, but more about understanding and digesting the problems at hand. We are a living and breathing example of that white supremacy that we're talking about so much now um i just i just see a really um a big transformation happening when we can realize that we're actually very connected to this issue and we're very connected um to the solution of this issue as well and when we can see that as a school um i think the students will begin to change in response to that i think that the nature curriculum needs to be updated based on current events and I, I think we need that now more than ever. Right now, we are literally living through what will one day be history. Kids should not expect normal history or boring history. Like history is is our is our lives, and I think that we've been taught um, subconsciously that we can get away from the past and that history is just a class. But the past shapes the present. And even the most ancient history affects right now. So I think we need to start acting like that. Like Zaria said, we need to educate ourselves on history and the present because both are very connected to one another. 
Even though we don't face the same struggles as the black community, we seem to be struggling with the fact that we're part of the problem. We are part of the problem that is burdening them with their hardships. We can't just remain complicit and accept that what's going on around us is normal, because this normalcy that we've created is horrific. So what can we and should we be doing? Of course, we can keep protesting and signing petitions, but more importantly, we should be learning about how our society has reached this point and what we can correct that the people of the past weren't able to do. We should be thinking, digesting, and talking about the racial injustices. White supremacy and racism is so deeply rooted and tangled in our suburban culture that we now have to take the time to carefully weed it out. So, in the past, we might not have done the best job at addressing the racial injustice on the North Shore, but the discussions and protests that we're having now in school, at home, and in public are putting us on the right path to bettering ourselves and the community as a whole. In hindsight, this issue is far too complex for me to firmly deduce whether the North Shore is doing a good job or a bad job. There's a lot to criticize, but there are also many things to applaud. I can confidently say, however, that we're taking a step in the right direction and that we just need to keep putting our best foot forward. Thank you for listening to my podcast, and I hope that you learned that your voice matters in making sure that Black Lives Matter.